0: Welcome mothers, glad to have you here and happy Mother's Day. Hope this day is very special for you. We're going to do our best to try to help you in your responsibility of being a great mom, both in exhortation and song and with prayer. So bless you. Turn with me over to the book of Proverbs. We're going to continue our series on our values. And today, continuing in the area of family. and talk about the responsibilities that mothers have And, by way of extension, how kids ought to respond. The title of the message is, Mama used to say. Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, And what, O son of my vows, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, verse 5. For they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing. And wine to him whose life is bitter. Verse 7. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his troubles no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate. Verse 9. And open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Lord, help us as we study today. Four things I'd like to discuss with you about this one unparalleled influence that mothers have two how we need to make sure that we are moral and immorality should not be tolerated at any level three our use of alcohol how we imbibe and four our identification with the needy those who cannot speak for themselves and need defending because they cannot defend themselves the background to this passage is mama is doing what she can to try to help her ruling son understand what's most important she's speaking To Lemuel And now the writer is the son Talking about an oracle Or a saying or Decree that his mother taught him And I can remember So many things that my mother taught me Not just by way of Exhortation but by way of Emphasis from the backside (laughs) I learned my best lessons that way And I realize it is not Nouveau To encourage spanking, but I am not Nouveau. (laughs) Unapologetically. If you do not properly discipline your child with both word, instruction, and at times when, when right aged and with the right way, the discipline is necessary to apply emphasis by way of pain to your exhortation. You are not parenting as well as you should. That's not Brett's subjective viewpoint. That's the Bible. The Bible says you spare the rod. You hate your child. It doesn't say spoil. We have interpreted that way because we like it to read better. You hate your child. This woman was doing her best to try to make sure that her son understood some things. Now, who is Lemuel? Most of the rabbinical Teachers of antiquity would say that this is Solomon. Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs, and he is a king. He happens to be the son of David. So he inherited the throne from the David that slew Goliath and took the the right, he became the rightful heir of the throne of Saul, and his son Solomon became his rightful heir. Solomon's name. means something akin to peace that is derived from proper judgment when Solomon was born to Bathsheba and to David Nathan was around and Nathan was David's prophet once Solomon was born Nathan came to him after David and Bathsheba had named him Solomon and said the Lord wants him to know that his name is Jedidiah. (coughs) Jedidiah means beloved of God now I think God probably named him that because of the tragedy and difficulty through which Bathsheba had been because David took her from her husband they bore a son, the son died it was a hard way to join two people the way David did it, it was terrible, evil in fact but God's mercy is everlasting, it's just unplumbable and so he wanted them to know that this child was not only Had not only captured the attention of of the father, but he was beloved by God. And they did not need to worry whether he would live. And so there was a sense of security in that God looked at him as Jedidiah. Now that does not mean that they changed his name. It simply was in addition to the name that they had already established. So he was Solomon. God looked at him as his beloved. And then there are other names that people... Anybody got another name in here? I mean, you got the name that's on your birth certificate, I get that. But, but I was Bretty Boo. <laughs> to so many people. And, and, and I, 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 I disliked it so. It wasn't very, very XY. It just didn't have enough XY. No biology majors in here. <laughs> Testosterone, I'll say that. My friends laughed. When I was called Bready Boo, <laughs> everybody has a little nickname, and we think that this very well might have been Solomon's nickname, Lemuel. The reason being, Lemuel means dedicated to God or devoted to the Lord. And we see a glimpse of why this might be so, because in in his mother's exhortation, she says, "What, O my son? What, O son of my womb? What, O son of my vow?" And so she vowed him to God. There are things that she talked to God about with respect to this child. Mamas, how often do you talk to God? I'm not talking about complaining to God. Your children will give you many opportunities to do that. But how often do you talk to them about them? You need to have a real relationship with the Lord that allows him to hear your heart that is biblically based... Founded in Scripture about the promises that He has for them and how you are partnering with Him in the raising of that child according to Scripture. He needs to know what you have vowed according to the Bible that is important for the life of this child. It's not just a moment, though it is extremely important to dedicate your children to the Lord once. It needs to be done daily. Let me tell you why. Because you need to remind yourself that you did that. Because you will find opportunity to say, never mind, God, I'll take care of this. (laughs) And you will get in there and try to manipulate the circumstances, and you won't step back enough to let God do what he's supposed to do. Now, I'm not talking about neglect. I'm talking about partnering, which is that subjective sense that I don't need to do anything right now, even though my soul tells me I need to engage with great force. You get scared, you get, think, you get thinking If I don't do something, they're going to be a criminal eh, Not everything requires such a strong response Sometimes your strongest response is prayer Mamas, daddies, you need to be the most spiritual people in your house Don't let your children lead you to church you need to be guiding, protecting, leading helping them understand what scripture means for them you need to to pray and fast for your children what does your vowed life about your children look like oh son of my vows, mamas get spiritual about this, not just natural and I beg you, as great as your parents were don't raise your kids like your parents raised you Now, everybody out there who happens to be a grandmama in here, who has uh, uh, their their daughter and the grandchildren in here, thank you for doing what you did, grandmas. Thank you. You are amazing. But every generation has a different set of problems. And every child requires love that is tailor-made. You can't pull it off the rack. So simply because your parents did a great job with you doesn't mean you can replicate that to your children. You've got to figure out, Lord, who is this person you gave me? They aren't me. This is not how I responded to mama. And we love to think we responded so much better, don't we? I mean, we love to rewrite history and think we were the the child. God, help me with this one. And if you've had more than one, you know that you can't. You can't raise every child the same way. They require some real adjustment in your mind. Okay, I got to speak this way to this one and that way I have to do this or that one. And, and it's not that you love them dif- differently in terms of dimension. You just have to treat them differently because God made them differently. Amen. That's, good. That's why you need to talk to God regularly because he knows how they're wired. You don't. You know some, but you don't know all. You don't know how they're supposed to go You don't know where they're going to wind up That's why you have to talk to him And say Lord remember I gave him to you Help me to direct him in the way that you want him to go Now why does she start this way She starts with interrogatives Questions What O oh my son What O oh son of my womb What O oh son of my vows we think that she starts this way because Solomon is older now. He's on the throne. And he's, he's already had some tremendous victories The divide the baby one. I mean, everybody we just went, whoo, this dude's different. He's like got nuggets from heaven. Everybody around the world was coming to, to sit in his court just to listen to him adjudicate. Astounding. Such wisdom had never appeared before and never appeared again until Christ came on the planet amazing so he was all that in the back of chips and we think mama was saying you still listen to me what you remember you my son right you remember i bored you like nine months in my belly you remember that you remember i nursed you for another three years that's how long they would nurse. you remember what you got something to say Because I want to tell you some things about your leadership that is going to help you. Now, if you don't want to listen to them, just remember who's talking to you. And as much as I would like to think, oh, I thought when I was a young parent that I was going to be done when they were 18. You never stop parenting. Ever. I don't know what empty nest even, even looks like, much less feels like. When I was 17, I went off to college and never came back home. I never came back home. I, nobody ever came back. If you, if you came back home, it was like, what's wrong with you? I'm serious. What's wrong with you? You're, you're living with your mom? What's wrong with you? I'm not making any judgments about today that's just how we were so we had some peer pressure to make sure we didn't come home we'd rather sleep in the car than go home I'm not exaggerating you didn't go back home you made it you somehow scratched out of the earth you're living don't clap don't clap there are too many tender ears in here this generation is different because in many ways the economy is different it's just different and so I, 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 I was looking forward to what I thought would be my experience, and it hasn't happened. My youngest is 16, and he's looking forward to living with mom and dad. <laughs> She's talking to him and saying, I still have credibility in your life. I still have a voice. Listen to me. Don't ever question what, I, what I'm what i about to say. And she's trying to, to set the table so that his ears are open. What? You think you can actually bypass me now because you got it all and I was the one in the background who's, who's now passe because... I'm in my aged and years, and, and you've got all these people around here who patting you on the back constantly. Let me tell you a few things, son of mine. I dedicated you to God. You listen to what I got to say. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mamas, you always have a voice. Always. First thing she says is, You be careful about the wrong women. Now, I'm honoring ladies today because your, your influence is amazing. This woman had unparalleled influence in Solomon's life. And mamas, you have unparalleled influence in your children's life as long as you live. But there are, there are some people to whom men ought not give their attention. Immorality ought not be a part of any man's life should not go to the woman that is not your wife. i say it again because I, I really need a stronger amen. You should not go to a woman who is not your wife. Now you say, well, pastor, how do I get a wife if I'm not married? You treat her biblically if you want to honor God best. You make sure that you're treated with honor, and you don't take anything before it's rightly given, and that's after you say, I do. I don't care if you're consensual consensual adults. Do you want to be Bible-believing people that God approves Christians, or do you want to be those that constantly have to walk around trying to figure out, how do I assuage this guilt because I'm constantly messing up. (laughs) I get a little visceral on this topic, I'm sorry, but it's important, there ought not be a sense that we can go ahead and just live together because, gosh, we need to get used to one another, we're going to get married anyway, right? No, wrong, immorality ought not be a part of a man's present, future, and if it's a part of his past, keep it there. And I'm not just speaking from theology. I'm speaking from experience. I got right with God when I was 21 years old. I was not pure before that time. Though I was still a virgin, I was not pure. And there's nothing about my life that anyone would ever want to emulate. But when I got right with God, I had not slept with a woman. Age of 21 to 26. 26 is when I got married. So we're talking five and a half years. I wasn't with a woman. I was at Howard University as a campus minister, a university that, uh, sociologically speaking, is is heavily weighted female to male. FYI, just in education, most of the males that are in black America between the ages of 18 and 24, half of them, 45 to 50 percent, are either dead or in prison. It's a fact. Therefore, the folks who could go to school that are men usually don't. And so most of the students that are African-American of that age group are women. At Howard University, it was 6 to 1. Out of the 7,000 kids, 6,000 were women, 1,000 were men. That is the best ratio you will find at a historically black college or university, the best ratio. Long way around to the front door, there were opportunities. And not because I'm so good-looking. I'm just good-looking enough... (laughs) I'm just good-looking enough for somebody to say yes. (laughs) But I said no all the time. And not because Brett was so strong, but because I heard what God was speaking to me through my scriptures. And all I wanted to do is to keep my way pure. So I got engaged. I found this woman who was just amazing and she was a partner with me at howard university in ministry she had come to washington d specifically in order to help me minister to the women on campus because my campus group was really proportional to the number of students we had we had about 30 kids i never had over 30 kids in my group ever but 25 of them were women and so yeah i'm not quite sure what to say or how to counsel or why you want to meet with me every day You get me? I just need more scripture from you. (laughs) So I needed some help. So my my bride-to-be came to help me. And boy, was she a help. And I saw the way she ministered and her her integrity. And aside from that, she was gorgeous. I said, God, you love me. (laughs) Two weeks. I said, "I'm, I'm out of my mind over this woman. Within nine months, I asked her to marry me, and my, mm, listen well, and I'll explain it. My first kiss was after we said, I do. My point is, I know about which I'm speaking. Now, I know that first kiss thing seems like it's in the 1800s or some Victorian period back when, and Brett, you are really like old as dirt, aren't you? <laughs> Nobody does that. I get it. It's, it's, it's out there. It's very extreme. But listen to me. He said, she said, don't give your way to women because it dissipates your strength. Now, there may be men who have more oomph than me, but not many. I'm not talking about physical prowess, I'm talking about a story. Namely, one I can tell my children. I got an inheritance. Strength in what I say when I say treat a woman like this. Yes. It's not just because I don't want them to mess up. They can ask me, Daddy, did you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. God help me, He can help you. That's the dissipation of, of, of strength that most people experience. Don't, I, I said it roundabout backwards. That's when you have strength that hasn't been dissipated. Do you have that testimony that you can share with your children? Not many do. In fact, most have regret. I wish I had done it differently. I have none. And pack on that 29 years of faithfulness to my wife. strength hasn't been dissipating I haven't shed my, my, my streams in the street Proverbs 2 talks about Proverbs 2 and Proverbs 6 have lengthy passages about what it means to not go down to the wrong woman one of them says he who goes to the adulterous woman is reduced to a loaf of bread what does that mean that person has just consumed your life, your integrity your promises your heart you've been reduced to nothing but food and he who goes down to her does not return that doesn't mean that they die physically it means the same man that went down doesn't come back he's different now those of you who have been down and shouldn't have gone there's redemption and wholeness for you there's forgiveness and restoration but I'm letting you know, mamas, tell your children this. Yeah. Tell your children this. And those of you who are growing up that get to hear it from a voice of integrity, make sure you've got a testimony that sounds something like mine so you can tell your children with great strength. I didn't dissipate my strength to anybody. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dilute it in the environment of immorality. And then she says it's not just dissipation of strength, but it destroys kings. Do you know that there was an exhortation? In Deuteronomy 17 that required kings do certain things he said when you appoint a king among you make sure they follow this prescription one they needed to write out every word of the law by hand in the presence of the priest write it out so that they knew exactly what should be decreed and what should not secondly they were never to multiply horses to themselves because God was their strength and the multiplication of horses meant chariots our version of tanks today. The power to go ahead and forcibly subdue another kingdom. And people begin to trust in their strength. It doesn't mean they shouldn't have an army. It just says don't, don't get so many that you begin to trust in it. Yes. Thirdly, they shouldn't multiply silver and gold to themselves. Because you'll trust in your, your wealth. When God is your greatest value. And fourth, you should not multiply wives. You shouldn't. Now, Solomon had... 700 wives. I don't know what multiplication is But that, I think that fits I think right in that category someplace 700 fits Seven, Dude Wow Now from, Even though Solomon had issues If you look at Ecclesiastes 2 He had serious issues He fell away from God He was a mess He came back in the end But remember, the man who goes down doesn't come back. And so it's hard hard for anybody to look at Proverbs and realize that Solomon wrote 90% of Proverbs. And then look at Ecclesiastes and say Solomon wrote that too. They don't even sound like the same human being because the guy who went down didn't come back. But the reason he had 700 wives is because he was trying to bring alliance between kingdoms. So one of the best ways you could forge an alliance is to marry a daughter, a niece of of royalty because the last thing you wanted to do is ever fight against your grandkids. You wouldn't want to do that. But there weren't 700 kingdoms with, with whom he could form an alliance, so why so many? Well, one of the ways they got so wealthy as a kingdom is commerce. So he created pathways for people in international trade to get to him in a hurry. And the way he would do that is find the Bill Gates of the world, this huge moguls in industry, and marry their daughters. And then they would come and visit their grandkids and want to do commerce in his city. And in order to accommodate them, he also set up worship sites for their gods. Well, in marrying their daughters, he also worshipped at their God's idols, right there, with, their, with his new wives. And so Solomon began to fall away, little by little, because he was trying to figure out how he can get as much as he possibly could. And he multiplied wives. It destroyed him. It destroyed him. He, immorality ought not be a part of your life, and if you find yourself in a place where you are engaged and it's almost like we don't even think about it there's very little conscience may today's message resurrect a sense of guilt because guilt is the first step to understanding i've done wrong and then once the guilt is there you say i need to stop and then the and then the, the sense of repentance And forgiveness comes, and you get restored, and all of a sudden, there's hope for tomorrow because I don't have to do the same stupid stuff I've been doing. And God forgives me. He restores me. It's as if I have never done it. Now, before him, it's as if you've never done it. There may be some evidences that you have done it, running around little people. And you've got a whole lot of stuff you've got to clean up. But you're on the right track, and there is hope. There are so many people that you would know in this church that started off horribly, that are leaders in our congregation. Why? Because they trusted in the Lord. They repented of their former life, said, clean me up. God did it, and now they are leading you, and you don't even know it. Their life looks so pretty, looks so wonderful. You think, well, you're perfect. Oh, if you only knew. There's hope. Thirdly, imbibing alcohol. She says... Be careful about what you, what you intake. Now, as, as, as you know, I am, I am not a prohibitionist with respect to alcohol. I'm, I don't mind you having a glass of wine with your wife and enjoying life a little bit. I think there's a lot wrong with how you do it, if you do it too much and get drunk, and where you do it, if you become a poor witness to others who think that's not the best practice for Christians to, to employ. Because your witness is extremely important. And you cannot use your freedom as an opportunity for you to enjoy if somebody else finds it offensive. That Paul said, I won't eat or drink anything if it causes my brother to stumble. So there are some issues. And if nobody has problem with it, then you're fine. And so it's the how and the when and, and all of that. But when it comes to leadership, it's a different story. I don't drink. I, 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 Cynthia and I, as we get older, we're thinking, I, I wonder if we should at least try I'm just being honest with you Everybody enjoys it but us I don't even know what a Chardonnay tastes like I can't, can't tell the difference between a Pinot Noir And a Rosé I have no clue I feel dumb When I'm on the plane And I happen to be bumped up in first class Because of my, my status Not because I pay for it And they say would you, would you like some Pinot Noir I said, no C- Could you just tell me what that is how is that different than I don't have a clue because I'm a leader I've chosen this way it's not wise for rulers to drink wine or a strong drink for they will find themselves out of control they can't lead anymore they can't make decisions they develop spiritual amnesia says you will forget what is decreed. I've heard that as soon as you get that little buzz, your brain's swimming just a little. It's just swimming. It's not as... It's not, it's not as and now, what if you're in a ministry opportunity? What if something comes up? How are you going to deal with that? <laughs> uh, give me a minute. Just, 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 just give, give, give me a minute. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. There's a passage in the Bible... I am always in an opportunity for ministry not because I choreograph it but because I just live this way so I can't do it and I, I can't do it because I care about you that if somebody sees me out drinking and unfortunately I have some face and name recognition in the area did you All this, see camera phones every place <laughs> and then I'm on Facebook I'm tweeted out every place with a little oh pastor I do it for you because I don't want anybody coming to you saying but do you know your pastor does this I don't want you having to justify me I want you to be able to be proud of me every moment of every day now I might make some mistakes and I'll repent in a hurry but I'm not going to intentionally live a life that makes you have to constantly justify me. I'm not going to do it. So I sacrifice that way for you. Amen. She said rulers is not good to do. And she separates strong drink from wine. And she, but, but she says both aren't really good. But strong drink is for a dying man. what so She says, if, if, if you're a ruler, this is the perspective you need to have. Strong drink is for a dying man my dad was with me for the final years of his life and um, he had lung cancer and he smoked and he he drank and he he did it to excess and uh, he came to live with me because he was in trouble and and so he lived with me for three years and I cared for him and during the last nine months or so he was an ambulatory and so I had to care for him and do everything everything for him but um, he was a he, he loved his alcohol. And uh, I knew my Bible fairly well. So I, 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 I said, Dad, listen, don't worry about it. I'm going to make sure you provide provided for. So every week before they had Amazon, <laughs> which would have helped a brother, every week I went to the ABC store and bought two-fifths of vodka. It's the only time in my life Because the guy who worked at the ABC store Worked there every week I was there It's the only time in my life Where i prayed Don't let him come to my church, please (laughs) Lord, please don't let him come to my church Please There's no way I can explain this I can't explain Even if I try to tell him Sure, right (laughs) But my dad wasn't trying to misuse He was trying to medicate And he was dying And so it was my privilege to try to help. Do you understand how non-rigid I am on this issue? Yet understanding principally based how I need to be wise and how I use what alcohol is? I did that for my dad for 18 months. Every week. Again, I wish Amazon had figured out how to deliver it to me to my door. But it didn't exist. And then lastly, we need to identify with the weak with the vulnerable with those who cannot speak for themselves the defenseless mamas teach your children this that even if they don't have a ministry like mine that talks to people as best he can every week all the time they can have a ministry that reaches out to the poor they can be a voice to those who have none they can be strength to those who have none they can defend those who cannot defend themselves we have orphanages that we have built in India and Africa, Kenya and South, South Africa, somewhere in the neighborhood of nine now, I lost count, serving hundreds of kids because they can't help themselves. In America, we don't have orphanages for the most part. We have foster care. It's taken over what we used to have as an orphanage system. But we do care for schools. We have a school in Manassas that we've adopted, and we make sure that there's tutoring there, we make sure they are clothes when they don't have them in the winter, coats, shoes, socks, gloves. We bring the gospel. Also Stone Middle School right here in, in uh, Chantilly. We're helping out with that and helping in any way we possibly can. We believe in defending and helping those who cannot. And it is one of the privileges of your existence to be able to bring your strength to those who are weak. What, oh, my son. What, O son of my womb? What, O son of my vows? Do you have problems with anything I'm about to tell you? Make sure you stay away from the immoral places. Make sure you use alcohol well, best, to the benefit, if there is any. And if there isn't, stop. And make sure you provide for those in your strength and power as a king who cannot provide for themselves. You do that, you'll be all right. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. There is really nobody like you. Thank you for the mamas today. Thank you for their input and their help. Inspire and bless them to be great. Be great. They are the most important relational tools you have placed on the planet because they guide the next generation. Give them wisdom.